Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 149 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today I'm interviewing Ben Asadi. Ben was recommended to me by Geraint Hole and Richard Smith. So let me tell you about Ben. In 2008, Ben Asadi went through a personal health transformation of shedding 80 pounds of pure fat. Ever since, Ben Asadi, FDNP, has been on a mission to help 1 billion people live a healthier lifestyle. Ben is the author of four best-selling books, including his latest KetoFlex. Ben has been the go-to source for intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet since 2013. He is known as the health detective because he investigates dysfunction and he educates, not medicates, to bring the body back to normal function. Ben is the founder of KetoCamp, a global brand bringing awareness to ancient healing strategies such as the keto diet and fasting. Ben is the host of a top 15 podcast, the KetoCamp podcast, which won Keto Podcast of the Year 2022 by the Metabolic Health Summit. Ben has the fast-growing KetoCamp YouTube channel with over 150,000 subscribers and a TikTok channel with over 325,000 subscribers and over 46 million video downloads. Ben is a keynote speaker who most recently delivered a keynote lecture for KetoCon 2022 and 2023, and he's been featured in Forbes, LA Weekly, Disrupt Magazine, New York Times Magazine, LA Entertainment Weekly, and other publications. Let's go and chat with Ben. Welcome, Ben, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. It's fabulous to be on your Fabulous Keto podcast, Jackie. Thanks for having me. And we always start with where in the world are you? I'm in a beautiful city called Miami Beach, Florida. It is absolutely incredible here. I'm born and raised. I still live here. And uh, it's just uh, such an inspiring city because it's just full of abundance and beaches and it's beautiful here. So that's where I am at in Florida in the United States. Lovely. Yeah. We were just talking offline and I was in Florida. 2019. Yeah. So, but I haven't been back because of all the fandango that's been going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe now it's a good time to come back. Uh, the summer is kind of hot. It's summer right now. Most people usually come during like the fall, winter. That would be the better time to come weather wise, but I like the heat. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it for myself. Like I prefer, I prefer to sweat than I do to shiver. Me too. Even though, I, even though I do cold water swimming, I still prefer to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> um, so why don't you start by telling uh, any listeners that haven't heard of you or don't know about you a bit about you and your journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I would be, ha I would be happy to. Um, so as I mentioned, I, I am born in Miami, Florida, still live here. My parents immigrated to the United States in the 1970s from Iran, and I was born here, so I'm first-generation uh, American. And I followed a standard American diet like so many people do, which is a very toxic, processed, frankenfood, sad diet. And it's appropriately named sad diet because it is sad. And I was very unhealthy growing up. My parents were divorced. My mom worked three jobs. Two of those jobs were at a Kentucky Fried Chicken fast food restaurant. So she would bring me home Kentucky Fried Chicken all the time. I would eat fried food and cooked in seed oils. And I was very unhealthy. I was uh, obese as a kid. 
physically, but also mentally obese. I was depressed. I had really low self-esteem, low self-confidence. I did drugs. I had sugar addictions. And all of this transferred into my adulthood because I didn't make any changes as a kid. So I found myself back in 2008 being a 24-year-old, 250-pound obese man who was ready to give up on life and exploring suicide because I was tired of hurting every day and crying. I was going through a bad breakup and I was just, I felt really inflamed and my brain was inflamed and I had all these addictions to food and video games. And I thought the easy path was to just take my life. And I explored that, but I kept thinking about my mother. I kept thinking about, you know, the devastation my mom would have to endure if her son took his life. And I didn't want to do that to my mom. So it stopped me from pursuing that. And I knew I had to figure things out because I was blaming everybody. I was playing the victim card. I was telling myself, of course, you know, I'm obese because my mom is enabling me by bringing me home Kentucky fried chicken. And my friends are enabling me by wanting to, you know, go out and drink beer and eat pizza. Uh, Of course, I'm obese because my genetics are awful. My dad's overweight. My dad has type 2 diabetes. It's just because of my genes. But none of that really is going to create any positive changes when you were playing the victim card. And I started to realize that by reading books, I started to get into some of the the work of incredible authors like Dr. Wayne Dyer, who said that if other people were the cause of your problems, you would have to hire a psychiatrist for the rest of the world in order for you to get better. And I was like, whoa, that is true. If I keep blaming other people, I can't hire a psychiatrist for them. It's really me that's the problem, right? And then I got into like Bob Proctor's work and Tony Robbins. And, and Bob Proctor taught me that like thoughts are things. If you could see it in your mind, you could hold it in your hand. So I started to become aware of my thoughts. And, you know, overall, the books helped me take ownership and responsibility, which is something that I never even understood the word responsibility. And I started to come, I came to find out that responsibility is my ability to respond to life. And at that point, my ability to respond to life was poor. So my results were poor. I was overweight. I was unhealthy. I was unhappy. I was broke. But when I took responsibility, then my results improved. So I stopped being the victim of my history. And I started to put my foot down and I became the victor of my destiny. And fast forward nine months, you know, I lost 80 pounds. I went from 250 pounds, Jackie, all the way down to 170 pounds in about nine months. I went from 34% body fat all the way down to 6% body fat in nine months, size 38 waist to size 30. I I finally achieved a physical six pack, which was a dream for me my entire life. Not that that is really synonymous with good health, but for me, it was a goal back then. But the most important thing that I accomplished is a mental six pack and what it did for my mental health. And you know, it really, I really started to connect the dots that your food impacts your mood and it goes hand in hand. So that's what started me out in the health space 2008, 14, 15 years ago. And along the way until now, you know, things have evolved for me. I, at the beginning, I was a personal trainer. I used to train clients. I was very much involved in the fitness space. I ended up opening up a CrossFit gym here in Miami. So I was really in the fitness space. And then I, you know, went into a plant-based diet, which is like the opposite of what we kind of do here, right? It's a vegan diet for a year and a half, 2012, 2013, I transitioned from a vegan diet and I started to get into the research of a keto diet and intermittent fasting. And that's where I discovered that. And since then I've been, you know, doing a variation of keto and intermittent fasting and eventually adopted carnivore. And I've learned some things along the way. And, and eventually I started to write books and that's where uh, my latest book, Keto Flex, which we'll talk about, came about. But you know, the mission is just to to wake people up. Um, I saw my dad suffer throughout this journey with this type two diabetes. He ended up losing his life in 2014. He suffered a massive stroke because of his diabetes, and it left him paralyzed. And nine months after, he ended up passing away. And it, you know, it just raised so many questions for me. Like, why why did my dad have to suffer when we followed what the conventional doctors told him to do? Why are so many people suffering out there with obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure? And I realized that, you know, the same information that I now share in my books that I'm going to share today with you, Jackie, would have saved my dad's life. He would be with me today. But but I had to go through that. I, I was given that mountain so I could show the world that the mountain can be moved. And that if you have type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, whatever symptom or disease those are not even the problem. They're actually gifts. You know, symptoms are a gift 
from your innate intelligence showing you you did something to take things out of balance. Let's figure out what the cause is. You remove the cause, you remove the interference, the symptoms go away, right? And that's the philosophy. Look, look upstream, look at the cause, don't chase the symptoms. And the mission is to educate and to inspire a billion people and help them find their, their root cause of why they don't feel well. Yeah. So how did you feel when you were doing the vegan for 18 months? In the beginning, I felt better. Um, I was eating more uh, whole foods. I did it whole foods based. Um, and I felt better, but that didn't last that long. After a few weeks, I started to notice like more brain fog, energy issues, soreness with my workouts, uh, just hormonally off. But I was dogmatic about it back then. So I stuck with it for a year and a half. And eventually I'm like, oh, I got to do some blood work to look at what's going on. And my blood work was not that great. So that's where I made the decision to transition away from a vegan diet. Yeah. So how did you find out about keto? I found out about keto. I don't know who the first person who was talking about it back then. It might've been Mark Sisson or Dr. Joe Mercola. I know it was either one of those two and also Dr. Pompa, who's now my mentor. They were talking about, you know, ketogenic diet. And then I got into some of Dr. Stephen Finney's work. Uh, I read, you know, some different books um, and a few others that I can't think of right now. So it made a lot of sense to me though, because when we think about keto, it's it's a metabolic process and there's nothing new about it. It's like even in 2014, it wasn't new. It's it's just nuanced or new to people, but it's been around for as long as humans have existed. Every single one of our ancestors did keto, which was interesting to me because I didn't know that, but it's simply a metabolic process that every single human being has been designed to use. And I started to realize that, wow, actually most people are now in a keto deficiency and that's the problem they are keto deficient. They forgot about burning fat. They're only burning sugar. And that's a root cause to why they're so inflamed and, and aging earlier. So it was a lot of those you know, leading authorities in the, in the beginning, Stephen Finney, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Pampa, uh, Dave Asprey was talking about it a little bit, Mark Sisson, and then a few others. Yeah. So yeah, because I'm a primal health coach and I, oh, I yeah. think of everything in terms of what would we have done more than 10,000 years ago? So 10,000 years ago, allegedly we started cultivating grains and mono well cropping and things like that so what would we have done before that because we have been around for millions of years so how did we get from there to here until 10,000 years ago and where did we go wrong where have we gone wrong along the way yeah, and one of the things i tell one of the things i tell my clients is the you said something about the romans in your book and i can't remember exactly what it is but I tell my clients that the Romans only used to eat once a day. So in a very short space of time, we've gone from eating once a day to eating seven or eight times a day or just constantly eating. That's right. Yeah. We're not designed to be grazers. Yeah. And the Romans accidentally discovered like the power of ketosis when it, when it comes to like seizures. Because back then, and that's what the book was talking about. Good memory, by the way. Um, the, the book was referencing that back in the day, Romans didn't know, they didn't have a medical term for epileptic seizures. So they thought that individuals who were having seizures who were convulsing and foaming at the mouth. They thought that these individuals were possessed by demons and they would lock them into rooms and leave for hours. They didn't have food, they didn't have water. So they essentially like dry fasted them. And then they came back after a few hours and they were they were normal. The the, the demons were gone, right? But what, what, what they accidentally didn't know is that they were forcing them into ketosis, which we now know through research that ketones are really important for epileptic patients. So yeah, there's nothing new about it. We're not designed to graze. You said the, you know, seven to nine times a day, but I think in America, people are eating 15, 17 times a day. If you think about like every time they eat the almonds or they drink the kombucha, it's like every time you raise glucose and insulin and start the digestive process, like you're, that's a meal to the body. And people are doing that multiple times a day, 15, 17. One of my colleagues thinks it's 17 to 23 times a day based off of the survey. It's just insane. Yeah. And constantly, constantly grazing. And so yeah. insulin levels, not only are they up, they just stay up the whole time. Right. Yep. And then they do it right through till going to bed. Most people don't sleep enough. So That's right. not sleep for very long. Yeah. It's just a great big mess, basically. It is. <laughs> great big mess. So, um, I think a lot of my listeners will understand about ketosis and fasting. Um, but you've you've got this um 
way called keto flex could you tell us first of all who who would benefit from keto flexing and I don't, i've just made that into a noun um <laughs> i like it or, or a, no was it a, a verb um who would benefit and is it for everybody or just some people well you know the the, the premise behind keto flexing might be controversial in the keto space because it's about Yes, using this amazing tool we have called ketosis and using it the right way and teaching your body to create more mitochondria, lower inflammation, create more energy, lower insulin, and all these amazing things that come with keto. But you reach a point where you've built up this metabolic machinery. Now your metabolism is very healthy and flexible. And we start to introduce healthy carbohydrates, which is a what's called keto flex, meaning we're getting out of ketosis short term and then flexing back in. So some people might call it like keto cycling or carb cycling. There's different ways to do it. We do it very strategically in the in the book and the way we teach it. I think the per, the people who would not necessarily want to start keto flexing are the individuals who are still insulin resistant or type 2 diabetic. Like we want to stay in ketosis probably longer and really work on your metabolism until we clean things up and then eventually get to that point. Maybe an individual who has a history of like sugar addiction would want to work with the practitioner and tread lightly and maybe find some foods that are safe foods that don't open up a door to sugar addiction. Other than that, you know, if you have a healthy metabolism and you've been doing keto for about three months or so, I do think it's very beneficial to start flexing in and out. That doesn't mean you eat a whole bunch of pizza and ice cream. It doesn't mean you're eating high carbs. It just means you're having a little bit more carbs on a certain amount of, uh, of days to bump yourself out of ketosis and then you go right back in, which is, I believe, the goal. I mean, you're a coach of, you know, a primal health coach. Mark Sisson kind of coined that term, metabolic flexibility. I think that is the goal, metabolic flexibility, because I think there's two types of metabolic inflexibility. For the majority of the world, they're metabolically inflexible because they're stuck burning sugar. Yeah. For the uh, uh, percentage, I don't know what percentage, but for a certain percentage in our keto world, people who have been doing ketosis and keto for years, they might be considered metabolically inflexible in a different variation, meaning they're only burning fat. They're not burning sugar from time to time. So I think there's two different variations of metabolic inflexibility there. And I know it's a little controversial, especially in our space, but I've seen it work really well, especially for women, for thyroid health, the menstrual cycle. I've seen it work well for those who are very active, um, even for postmenopausal women as well. So it works really well if it's done the right way. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that you say is um, usually one day a week is to up your carbs to 100 to 150 grams of healthy carbs. Correct. <laughs> what would you, what for our listeners, what would you consider to be healthy carbs? Yeah, good question. And you know, 100 to 150 grams of carbs is still considered low carb uh, when you compare it to what the average person is eating, 300 and 400 grams of carbs per day. So it's still considered low carb. It's just not low enough to be in ketosis. And that is the goal for, you know, one day a week or so. Healthy carbs would be considered fruit. Um, you know, again, as long as you're not insulin resistant, type 2 diabetic and have a sugar addiction history, fruit could be great. Um, I personally have white rice sometimes on keto flex days because I'm metabolically healthy. I could process it well. Uh, sweet potatoes, yam, yuca. Uh, plantains. These are, you know, whole foods. I would avoid gluten uh, and wheat uh, on those higher carb days. I would avoid, of course, seed oils all the time. But healthy carbs would be for me, white rice, plantains, sweet potato and fruit. Mm. Yeah. And then the other thing you say, which um, is on those days is to have less than 30 grams of fat. How do, yeah. how do you manage that? I mean, yeah, that's kind of tough. I mean, I say 30, but if you want to go to 50, you're going to be okay. But the goal is to, as you increase carbs on that day, you don't want to eat high carbs and high fat. We know that that combination is, is problematic. So maybe increasing the protein and the carbs and decreasing your fat, but you don't want to increase fat or keep fat high and keep carbs high. Uh, it's just not going to work out well in terms of the metabolism. So yeah, I mean, that's going to be a diet that day of lean protein, fruits, sweet potatoes, white rice, et cetera, but lean protein versus more fattier protein just for that day. That's your flex day. Other days, you know, go for the fattier cuts for sure. Yeah. So something like maybe chicken breast or 
Yeah, chicken fish. breast, uh, New York fish. strip. Yeah, fish, certain fish. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, what are the benefits of of flexing? There are a lot. You know, thyroid is one of the benefits. When we think about how the thyroid is like the canary in the coal mine, it's usually the first symptom of an uh, upstream cause, and the thyroid could slow down for many reasons. But when we think about how the thyroid functions. It's like a butterfly-shaped gland right here, and it acts as um, it acts for, it has many roles, but it it works with your brain. Your hypothalamus pituitary communicates to the thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormones. So that's called thyroid stimulating hormone. So when you're getting your lab test and it looks at TSH, that's not necessarily giving you an idea of your thyroid health. It's giving you more of an idea of the communication between the brain and the thyroid, TSH. Once that thyroid is stimulated by the brain to produce thyroid hormone, it produces the thyroid hormone T4. Mm -hmm. T4 is the inactive version of thyroid. It, it, it cannot really be used by your cells. It needs to be converted to the activated form of thyroid, which is T3. And T3 is a very important hormone for fat burning, energy production for the mitochondria. It's so important that every cell has a receptor site for the T3 hormone. And you can't say that for all hormones, but for T3, you can. And what happens if when you have chronically low levels of insulin, when you're doing a lot of ketosis for too long and your insulin levels are too low, that conversion doesn't happen as efficiently because insulin actually helps the conversion of T4 and active thyroid to T3. Yeah. And when you have chronically low levels, that conversion doesn't happen. And then I've also seen reverse T3 go up because the body's in this kind of stressful state of being really restricted for so long. And reverse T3 blocks T3 from getting in. It has the same chemical structure, but it sits on that receptor site and blocks T3 from doing its job. So that's the main thing. With having healthier carbs, strategically keto flexing, it helps that conversion of T4 to T3 and it helps with thyroid health. Yeah. And so is that the main benefit? So you were saying it particularly is helpful for women. Um, yeah. And with, um, so menstrual women, mm -hmm. do you think that they would benefit from doing some higher carb more around their menstruation or a bit before their menstruation rather yeah, than just it. flexing one, once, once a week? You nailed it. Yeah, I would do it that whole week, the five to seven days preceding their their menstrual cycle, right? That's the week um, where ladies want to build progesterone to help with a healthy monthly cycle. And you don't really build progesterone with aggressive fasting and aggressive ketosis. You build it with healthy carbs. You build it with eating healthy carbs and not doing too much fasting. So the week before the period, you might want to do five days in a row of flex days. And then once you have your bleed, the, the bleed week, the period starts, you go back into ketosis, you can be more aggressive with fasting, you're going to be more resilient that way. You're going to have less hunger. It's just more, you're more in line with what your hormones want when you do it this way. Yeah. And and for um, postmenopausal women? For postmenopausal women, they have a different pattern. So cycling women have more of a 28-day hormone pattern, which we'll compare to like the, the, the moon. Mm -hmm. Every 28 days, you get that full moon. For men and for postmenopausal women, it's more of a 24-hour pattern we'll compare to like the sun. And I got that analogy from Dr. Stephanie Estima, uh, so I want to give her credit. But um, for postmenopausal women, this is a very important time to focus on the hormone oxytocin because when the ovaries shut down, which they do during menopause, and because it's done their work, it's a major organ that says, peace out, I'm retiring. And it's a natural thing that happens. But other organs and processes need to pick up the slack for the ovaries um, retiring. So the adrenal glands are one of those major organs that have to pick up the slack for the ovaries retiring. And when you are really stressed out or not focusing on oxytocin, it could really tax the adrenal glands and cause some problems. So oxytocin is one of the best hormones. It's like a feel-good chemical in your body that combats high cortisol levels, high stress levels. So at this time, it's important to do things that raise oxytocin. There's so many things you can do. Pet your dog, pet your cat, watch a funny movie, hug somebody, do things that you enjoy, some hobbies, but focusing on that is very important. And then for the keto flexing, we do something called the 5-1-1 rule 
which men, I recommend do this and postmenopausal women. And how it works is when you're ready to start flexing, if you're postmenopausal or if you're a guy, uh, it's a seven-day protocol that I wrote about in the book, Keto Flex. So five days doing intermittent fasting and ketosis and keto, you're eating ketosis. One day, 24-hour water fast, and then one day, Keto flex day, higher healthy carbs, no fasting. That works really well for postmenopausal women and for men. Yeah. So, and um, one thing you said earlier was that you're you've gone from vegan to keto to now carnivore. Can somebody who's carnivore do any flexing? Because yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm not all the time carnivore. Um, some day, sometimes I'm like 30 days strict carnivore, but I'm animal based. You know, I feel really good with meat. Um, and that's usually the progression, you know, people go from like standard American keto carnivore. And then I think the next progression should be like either a carnivore flex or a regular keto flex. But if you're going to do a carnivore flex, we do, we teach that to our students. If they want to do that, you would just, cause I think the goal of carnivore is to use it as an elimination diet to remove these plant toxins that have done a number on our digestive tract. And a lot of people have leaky gut and these plant toxins just make things worse. The phytates, the lectins, the um, tannins. I mean, you can. there's uh, over a hundred of them. So when you do carnivore, you eliminate that and the gut starts to repair itself. And if you want to flex with carnivore, then flex with fruit because there's still not a lot of plant toxins in fruit. So you're still able to do carnivore for the reasons you're doing it. So you would just bump up your fruit some days, maybe some honey some days, maybe even some white rice because white rice doesn't really have anti-nutrients compared to like brown rice, which does, which is why I would prefer white rice over brown rice. So yeah, you would do it with fruit. You could carnivore flex with fruit. Excellent. So one of the things that you you talk about a lot in the book is is fasting. Do you, I mean, obviously you you are a proponent of including fasting, intermittent fasting. What about um, longer term fasting? I love it. I think uh, like a long, like a three to five day water fast is whew, incredible healing tool. I really do. But there's a time and place for doing it. And you know, you got to be really smart about doing it. It's a very powerful tool, but so is a chainsaw. A chainsaw can get you some good results or a chainsaw could hurt you. It's important to know, to read the user manual of that chainsaw. So I think uh, a longer fast is great. If you could implement like a three to five day water fast, at least once a year, it's going to reset your entire immune system. You're going to get deep autophagy, which is the cellular cleanup process. You're going to get new stem cells. You're going to really force insulin down and sensitize those receptor sites for insulin. You're going to reset your dopamine receptor sites in the brain. There are so many benefits. You're going to prevent diseases like cancer. There's a lot of, you know, Dr. Thomas Seafree talks about you preventing cancer with a seven-day water fast once a year. So I love it. You just got to use it strategically. Maybe look at glucose and ketones and break it really slow. Do it during a week where you're not stressed. If you're a woman with a menstrual cycle, you would probably do it during that bleed week, not the week before your period. But there's some you know things to consider. But to answer your question, Jackie, I think it's a great, valuable tool in the shed. Yeah. And I quite often try and do a longer fast around the solstices. Oh, nice. The, the equinox. So in September and March, things like that. So it doesn't always, doesn't always work out, but particularly the one in September is about letting go. So mm, yeah. Perfect. How, what's your longest fast? Uh, 140 hours. It's awesome. I thought you were going to say days for a second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 140 hours is awesome. That's great. I probably need to do 140 days to get, no, rid, don't do that. <laughs> to get rid of a stomach. <laughs> That's too long though. Yeah. So, um, I just want to go back to sort of women of my age. So I've got a lot of central adiposity that just won't shift no matter what I do. Um, and and I get other women asking me the same thing. What what could we do? Have you there's got a lot. ideas? Yeah, there's a lot. I, I think that I'll start with like what I think is the most important, and then I'll throw out some other ideas. I think that the number one cause of weight gain and weight loss resistance, like you're just saying, like it's hard to get the weight off, is a toxicity issue. It's, it's an environmental toxicity issue. I think that's the number one cause. And there's many reasons why I believe that. Number one, toxins create probably the most amount of cellular inflammation 
meaning inflammation around your cells. And when, you're in, when your cells are inflamed, and I'm not saying this is you, Jackie, I'm just saying in general, yeah. when your cells are inflamed, those receptor sites that need to hear the message of your fat burning hormones can't get in and they have a hard time burning fat um, because those toxins actually love fat. The body is very smart and there's a pathway called PPAR gamma. So when toxins enter the body and their toxins are everywhere, they're in your household products, your perfumes, your cleaning supplies, and that Uber car with the Febreze being blasted into yeah. you, they're in silver fillings in your mouth. I mean, they're everywhere. And when toxins enter the body, the body is smart and there's a survival mechanism in place where it shuttles those toxins away from circulating in your bloodstream, away from your vital organs like your heart and your brain, and it shuttles them to your fat cells because the solution to pollution is dilution. And there's a lot of room in fat cells. And if there's not enough room, it'll actually increase the size of the fat cells, toxins will, or even create new fat cells for those toxins to go hide out in. And then we start doing things like keto and intermittent fasting. And we start utilizing fat, our body fat for fuel. And we start releasing these fatty acids into the bloodstream, which is great. But then we start releasing these toxins that the uh, cells are now uh, have been holding on to. And then you can't burn toxins. You can burn fat. You can't burn toxins. So you end up absorbing them back. And now the innate intelligence in the body starts to think, whoa, every time we burn fat, we release fatty acids, but then we release toxins and then we harm ourselves and we have to reabsorb these toxins. I'm going to slow down fat burning because I know it's going to release the toxins. So it actually slows down fat burning. So they call these toxins obesogens. And there's a new term called diabesogens, where these toxins actually could create um, uh, a process where it um, attacks the beta cells in the pancreas and creates type one and type two diabetes. So they're everywhere. And I think that is the number one contributor. So the solution would be number one, the liver, right? The liver is a major detoxification organ. I, I also call the liver the soccer mom organ because it does everything for us like a soccer mom. So find ways to support the liver. The liver loves bitters. The liver loves coffee enemas. The liver loves um, minerals are required for uh, phase two detoxification. Keep So keep your minerals up. The liver loves fasting because you pull fat from the liver. The liver loves quality sleep uh, because 1 to 3 a.m. in the morning is called liver time in Chinese medicine. So if you're not getting quality sleep, you're not able to recycle bile from the liver. So that's downstream. Some people need to go upstream and do more heavy metal detox, but keep those detox pathways open. Focus on the lymphatic system. Move your body. Do rebounding, trampoline jumping. Move your body. Get the lymphatics going. Dry brushing is great as well. And then make sure you're eliminating every day. Make sure you're not constipated. Um, I'm re I'm actually writing the second edition of Keto Flex, and this is fresh on my mind because um, I'm putting a section at the end of the book on like troubleshooting keto, like the common issues I see people have with keto. And one of them is constipation. So when you're constipated, you're not able to eliminate these toxins and you're reabsorbing toxic estrogen and it's creating a problem. And a lot of, a simple fix is to go into a natural squatting position, right? When we think about sitting on a toilet, it's not a natural pooping position. It, 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 it's a, and I wrote about this in the book and it's not out yet, but it'll be out in the second edition. It's like having, when you're using a garden hose and like you're trying to water your plants and you're like, there's only a little bit of water coming out. So you walk up, down the you know the house here and you see that there's a kink in the hose so you have to like unbend it and then the water starts flowing when we're sitting on a toilet we kind of have that kink in our digestive tract and our bowel movements and it, it blocks the poop from coming out when you go into a natural squatting position and use something like a squatty potty where it elevates your knees then it removes that kink and you're able to eliminate and then you could add things in like potassium and magnesium and stay hydrated that is, you know, I gave a lot there, but that is, I think the number one thing for weight loss resistance. And then I could talk about other things for sure, but I would start with toxins. Yeah, that's, that's quite massive. And it's not something that people talk about very much. No, there a lot of people miss it. And there's a lot of studies out there. You know, I have them all here in front of me because I'm putting it into my book. Like there's a lot of studies showing that um, it's not just a matter of eating less and moving more. It's these toxins that are causing a lot of weight uh, loss um, resistance. Yeah, so I used to do a lot of um, coffee enemas, and oh yeah, um, I even had I I still got it somewhere put away a board 
the one of the boards so you've got the, you have the water up high and your uh, colonic irrigation nice in the at home um but i haven't done that for years so yeah maybe it's time to start yeah that w- i think i think it's a good idea I mean, you know there's simple things you can do too like a castor oil pack non-invasive where you just buy high quality castor oil you buy a castor oil pack and you just pour the castor oil on this little pack and then you tie it over your liver which is the right side of your rib cage and go to bed with it great way to support the liver as well yeah yeah i've done that as well in the past <laughs> oh nice all sorts of things yeah and so um i was when you said about your dad and and if you knew then what you know now there might have been a different result because i used to do a lot of these things a long time ago and then um my dad had multiple myeloma and Mm. he died in 2009 and i just think if i knew then what i know now it would be different but you know we come to everything at a special time for whatever reason and and we've got our journey to walk and now we're going through and we're helping other people that's right yeah you know if your dad you didn't go th- through that with your dad maybe you won't be you wouldn't be doing the things you're doing today right so say, i i feel that way for myself hindsight is always 2020 yeah now the now the goal is to just like prevent that suffering from people that you come across and that's what you're doing with your podcast and how's your mom is she still my mom's still around thank god yeah she's terrific she lives down the street from me we have uh every thursday night we have dinner we had dinner last night and uh, yeah, she's doing, she doesn't listen to everything I tell her to do, but she's doing great. <laughs> yeah. So she's doing some of it, maybe. Some of it. Yeah. So she she's and supporting you, I'm sure. Yeah. She's a great supporter. Yeah. She does fasting. She does fasting. She She's she's Muslim. So she does, every year she does Ramadan, which is dry fasting, which is great. But she does intermittent fasting in between that yeah. as well. Excellent. Yeah. Um. So Ben, what else would you want to tell our listeners that we haven't spoken about already today? I I believe the biggest key to healing the body is to have the right mindset and to believe that you actually could heal your body and to believe that your body was built to be self-healing. And there's nothing really external that's going to heal your body. It's everything you need is internal. You just have to remove the interference. And when we think about the mindset and how that relates to our results, not just with health, but with our life, I believe that 95% of our success in life is from mindset. 5% is from strategy. And unfortunately, a lot of people have have, have stinking thinking. <laughs> That's what Zig Ziglar used to say, stinking thinking. And I say, if you're thinking, it's stinking, your dreams are shrinking. Because you could have the blueprint out in front of you, eat these foods, get into ketosis, do this fasting schedule, work out this way. But if you don't have the right mindset, like as soon as you have a speed bump, that speed bump turns into a stop sign and you give up, you quit, or somebody influences you a different direction. So you have to have the conviction. You have to have the mindset. And the question is like, how do you change your mindset? How do you change your thoughts? Because you become what you think about. You really do. But it doesn't happen overnight. So it starts with your environment because your environment determines your thoughts. Your thoughts determine the actions that you take, and the actions that you take determine that your results in life. So it starts with your environment. So you got to do an, an audit on your environment. Look at all the people in your life and see if this person or these people are supporting you, encouraging you. I call them chargers because they charge you up, or are they doing the opposite? They're influencing you to eat the pizza, to drink the beer, to stay away from keto because it's dangerous. Do an audit and then spend more time with people in your life that are supporting you, the chargers. Spend less time with the drainers because that's going to help you choose better thoughts. With better thoughts come better actions and better actions come better results. Uh, and for me, you know, reading books is huge. Uh, I read every day, three hours a day for the last 15 years or so. I primarily read self-development books or I listen to self-development books because I just constantly need to get this information and change, rewire my brain. You could rewire your brain and create new neural pathways. You just got to keep, uh, I call it brain tattooing this information into your body, into your brain. And over time, you start to make better decisions. So your mindset, your community, your environment, all that's so important because a lot of people don't have the right mindset. And they might do three weeks really well, 
and they fall off track and they stay off track for three months and they try it again. They're back and forth, back and forth. But somebody who has a strong mindset and is committed, they don't let the stop, the speed bump turn into a stop sign. They understand that, okay, this is a setback. Where's the learning opportunity here? It's not about the setback. It's about to get back and they go and get back and they continue on with their course. So I do think it's important to have that mindset and that belief. And if you don't have the belief, it's okay to borrow the belief of somebody else. I tell this to my students all the time. I'm like, look, you might not believe that you can do this, that you could get off the insulin you've been on for 20 years or to lose the 200 pounds, but I believe you can. And just borrow my belief until you develop your belief. So to your audience who's listening, if you don't have the belief, like borrow Jackie's belief, borrow my belief, you'll be able to do it. Yeah. You don't have to have the belief yet. Lean into ours and eventually you'll get that belief. And if you keep showing up and listening to these podcasts and getting to these communities, you will get that belief eventually. And I think it is key. Yeah, it's a bit like fake it till you make it, you know, in in work or whatever it is in wherever you are, just right. fake it till you make it. Yeah. That's right. And your community will help you make it. Uh, it, it. Take a stand. You have to have a community that takes a stand for you. I think it's so important. Yeah. And I think that's another part is finding a community that supports you, which is part yeah. of your friendship group and the people that you're with, if they supporting you and pushing you on. Because if you've got a spouse who's constantly bringing you cakes or things that you and trying not to eat, they're undermining your you all the time and that makes it so difficult it so does you really and, and that's support. you know and that's where you set boundaries and have that conversation with your significant other it's important to have that conversation and set those boundaries you're right jackie because it can make it very difficult yeah and then sleep i guess is mm. well i think it's important i don't always get the sleep i need but that's because my body i don't know what my body's doing but you know last night i went to bed and then two and a half hours in the middle of the night, I'm wide awake. But it's not that I'm doing anything. I'm just laying there. I might read for a little bit, just try and get back to sleep. But my body is not playing ball with the sleep <laughs> sometimes. And then other nights it sleeps. So, yeah, I think focusing, you know, prioritizing sleep is really important. I agree. It's going to help with everything. It's like sleep is like the Swiss army knife of health. It helps every every aspect of, of health. And when you get quality sleep, you're going to have better glucose levels, better insulin levels, better cortisol levels, less of the hormone, the hunger hormone ghrelin, more of the satiety hormone leptin. You're going to make better decisions. Yeah, it's very important to get quality sleep. And a lot of people, unfortunately, they kind of either like poo-poo sleep, think it's like not that important, or they maybe are not getting quality sleep and they're not really emphasizing it. But it is foundational to mm-hmm. build a strong sleep, healthy sleep environment. It's the, one of the foundations of a good good health and a, and a healthy, a strong house of health, I should say. Yeah, I agree. So I'm very aware of your time. Um, so thank you for being with us. Um, do you want to tell people about your Keto Camp um, program and your books and how people can find you? Yeah, I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful you, you know, invited me on your show, Jackie. Thank you. You're doing a great job having these conversations that are just so important and life-changing. So thank you for allowing me to share with your community today. I had a lot of fun with you. Great questions. My website is benazadi.com, B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I.com. You could find everything that you need there, books. Uh, you can email us, uh, our programs, et cetera. It's on, on my website, which is benazadi.com. Fabulous. And so we're going to finish off with your three top tips Three top tips. Okay. Uh, all right. First tip, Jackie, is going to be to take vitamin G every single day. Now, vitamin G has been shown to lower A1C levels, lower blood pressure. If your blood pressure is high, it's been shown to be anti-inflammatory. It helps with the immune system. It helps with... Um, IgA, which is a, a protein that your protects your immune system. It lowers cortisol levels if cortisol is too high. Uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza has done these vitamin G workshops, as I like to call them, and he's has he has seen 1,200 chemical reactions take place instantaneously that put these individuals in this anti-inflammatory healing state with oxytocin, serotonin, GABA when they took vitamin G. Vitamin G you cannot find at on Amazon or at your supplement store. It's the practice of gratitude. My shirt actually says it. It's a, it's a pill box of vitamin G and it says gratitude. 
and it is not woo-woo. Um, there is a lot of science. What you appreciate, appreciate. So make sure you are in a daily practice of vitamin G, of gratitude and feeling that gratitude. That's number one. Number two is um, some variation of intermittent fasting. I love fasting. I think it's such a powerful tool and it's like nature's reset button. So find whatever fasting schedule that works for you. It's going to reset your gut. It's going to help you clean out bad cells and fix damaged mitochondria. It's going to help with insulin resistance and diabetes and dopamine resistance and so many conditions. So find something, find a fasting routine that works for you and stick with it. And then number three would be the pinnacle of what I would consider somebody who's healthy, and that is being metabolically flexible. That means you could have a flex day and go back into ketosis without a hiccup. That means you eat a meal and your energy levels are incredible. You don't have an afternoon or excuse me, an after meal energy slump um, you have energy when you wake up in the morning and that energy is throughout the whole day until you go to bed because you're metabolically flexible. So that would be the key to be metabolically flexi flexible. So the three tips are vitamin G, intermittent fasting, and being metabolically flexible. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for allowing me to be with you, Jackie. It was a pleasure. One of the things that Ben said in the intro is he educates, not medicates. And a few weeks ago, I interviewed Dr. Helena Popovic, who said exactly the same thing. It's about education, not medication. So I love that we are really getting into, we need to educate ourselves. We need to take back that responsibility. We need to learn. We can't rely on the medical profession to help us. So we'll come to this journey from a different angle. And Ben came to it via working on his mindset and his beliefs and his thoughts and moving from being a victim in life to empowering himself and taking control to become, as he said, the victor of his destiny. And he was he also said it's about your stinking thinking. And if you're thinking is stinking, your dreams are shrinking. He's got some great sayings. And, you know, whichever way you come to it, you have to encompass everything. So he believes that the biggest key to healing is having the right mindset. And I agree with that because whether you come to it through the nutrition, whether you come to it through mental health awareness, whether you come to it through mindset, working on mindset, whether you come to it through sports and trying to improve your performance, it is the mindset that will keep you going. You know, anybody can start a diet. Anybody can change their life for a week, a month, six weeks, even three months. But the part that keeps you going, you know, keeps it going and keeping yourself motivated is in your head. And you have to get that in place at some point on your journey. You have to take control of what's right for you. And as Geraint Hole said a few weeks ago, you have to take responsibility for your health. Only you can do that. And that comes through educating yourself. It comes through motivating yourself and through mindset change. So I love some of the things that Ben shares. He also is a great advocate of intermittent fasting and carb cycling. Now, it can be very confusing as to what you should do because, you know, Ben is saying intermittent fasting and carb cycling. Um, someone else will say, no, don't fast. Someone else will say, no, don't carb cycle. And I think what we have to learn is we have to take all these points on board and find out what works for us. And that might be doing some testing to see what works for you and find your own way. So although somebody is a proponent of one method or one way, you know, like Ben is around um, fasting and carb cycling, you have to find the way that works for you. And the only way you're going to do that is through testing. 
and do it for a period of time to see if it works for you. So it can it can be a bit confusing, but you do have to do some work and find out what's right for you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. The show notes can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash one four nine. So if you feel that you need some help with your mindset, with accountability and with motivation, then maybe you'd be interested in my course, New Focus, New Body, New You, which is starting at the end of August. So if you'd like to find out more details, go to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash group hyphen summer hyphen two three. So that's fabulouslyketo.com forward slash group hyphen summer hyphen two three, the number two and the number three to find out more details. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.